rocketed from a distant planet to a bold new destiny on Earth. Found by a Kansas family and raised as Clark Kent, he learned he possessed the strength of steel, the speed of light, and the desire to help all mankind. He is Superboy. Everybody. Welcome to episode 194 of the Man of Screen podcast. I am your host, Mike Zumo, and this episode, I am finishing my coverage of season three of The Adventures of Superboy, episodes 25 and 26, the two-part episode, The Road to Hell, in which we see a return to the parallel universes that were introduced way back in Roads Not Taken. This road is uh, not nearly as good as the first one, but it is what it is. Many follow-ups are not, but it does introduce some interesting concepts like uh, what happens if uh, Superboy or Superman is kind of lands at different times in the lives of the people in his supporting cast. We're going to see most of this Most of this two-parter is focused on a, a child who is Superboy's younger self but has landed uh, relatively close to the present, and you'll see an older Superman which landed at the, after the time of the Great Depression. So, and But again, all of our Earthbound characters are the same as uh, we are normally familiar with them. They don't slide along with Superman. So that is what we have on tap for this week. Again, the end of the third season of The Adventures of Superboy, which means a shorter fourth season is coming up. Only 22 more episodes, which means there are 11 more weeks of Superboy coverage. And, and then I take a nap. Before heading into the next phase of the podcast, which would be Lois and Clark and Superman the Animated Series, which would take us through almost to 2000. So before I get to the business at hand for this week, I have feedback to address. Feedback here is from Dave McElvenny. Dave's writing in on Man of Screen episode 183. And Dave writes, Greetings, Mike. The lair seemed to me very similar to some of the episodes in the first season of the old George Reeves Adventure of the Superman is kind of dark, somewhat mysterious, with the threat being an evil, corrupt businessman rather than a superpowered villain, and the creature being essentially a victim. It also starts out in the offices of the Bureau for Extra Normal Matters, reminding me of Bob Fisher's statement that most good episodes of Superman begin in the offices of the Daily Planet, where here, the BEM is a stand-in for the planet. I like the parallels I see here, even if they probably weren't intended. I think Neela was a more of a story of the late 80s, early 90s, and I have to say while listening to your synopsis, I kept thinking, this is totally Maxima, and thinking I'll have to look up where Maxima appeared in the comics. Later, when you pointed out that it was Maxima's backstory, I actually laughed out loud. Thanks for that. I have to say, I'm excited and looking forward to your next episode dealing with the two-part Roads Not Taken story, which I remember very fondly from seeing it when it originally aired. I'm very interested in your views on that story. Live long and prosper. Dave McElvenny. As always, I thank you, Dave, for writing in. You know, I didn't think of the old George Reeves Adventures of Superman when dealing with uh, the Lair. I mean, there were a, cu- a couple of uh, evil, corrupt businessman stories. And obviously, on a show like this, you can't do a superpowered villain all the time. You can't always have Metallo or Lex Luthor or some other threat from the comics 
and there's really not enough of them to go around, so you really do have to lean on other things. And, I mean, even in the comics, they create and use other, other kinds of stuff all the time. So, and a show like this on this budget, it's not re- really realistic to expect them to do big supervillains all the time. And, uh, yeah, I, I, and as far as the Bureau being a kind of a stand-in for the planet, I pretty much said the same thing, I believe, when I when the Bureau was introduced. And, yeah, most good episodes of Superman begin in the offices of the Daily Planet. Well, during this show, most uh, good episodes of Superboy begin in the Bureau. And the Bureau kind of becomes the main set piece of the series, as uh, as we've seen. And as far as uh, Dave's comment on Neela, and he kept thinking this is totally Maxima, which was what came to my mind when I was watching this episode, too. When I had watched this episode way back when it first aired, I really wasn't reading the comics yet. You know, the only comics I had probably around that time were I had a three-pack of Superman 4, 5, and 6. The And I've mentioned this before. The first Bloodsport story and uh, the Mummy Rocket Boot story, which uh, John Byrne wrote. And from around that time, I had Batman 401, which was a Legends tie-in. It was the uh, issue with Magpie and... 402 and 403, uh, where Batman fought a guy who thought he was him or something like that. And for a long time, those were the only comics I really had. Somehow I had gotten a hold of the Superman versus the Quick Bunny book somehow. Probably through some kind of giveaway with Chocolate Milk. And then in 89, uh, my father was the manager of a 7-Eleven. And I, at least I think that's where I got these. They were, they were all came out like right in a row. So I'm, I'm figuring I got them off the spinner rack at that time. But it was like the first five or so issues of the Exile arc. Until then, that was really all the comics I had until I started collecting in earnest in uh, 92, around the time of the death of Superman. So that's a long way of saying that when I first started watching this show, I had no idea who Maxima was. And the Maxima parallel just kind of jumped right out. And I thought as well, this is totally Maxima. And that's why, that's what drew me to look up Maxima's backstory in the comics. So, you're welcome for the laugh. And, Dave, I hope you weren't disappointed by my episode that followed uh, 183, 184, which covered Road Not Taken. It would have been interesting if uh, your feedback lined up with this episode, so I could have read your feedback for Road Not Taken on this episode with its sequel, but no such luck. So, thanks, Dave, for writing in. If you want to write in, too, you can get in on the act. Man of screen at gmail.com. Now, I'm going to take a podcast promo break, and when I come back, we're going to begin our journey along the road to hell. Hang around, folks. Dr. Fate. Dr. Midnight. Starman. Johnny Quick. Wildcat. Power Girl. The All-Star Squadron. Firebrand. Amazing Man. Huntress. Cyclone. Sandman. Mr. Terrific. Commander Steel. Seven Soldiers of Liberty. Infinity Incorporated. Those are just some of the celebrated and beloved heroes associated with Earth 2 and the Justice Society of America. These daring mystery men and women banded together in 1940 to form the first super team in comics. They inspired a decades-long legacy of heroes who would follow in their footsteps. And now they've inspired us to launch a new podcast. Justice Society presents a new anthology on the Fire and Water Podcast Network featuring a variety of themed shows with different hosts celebrating some of their favorite comics and characters associated with the golden age of comics, Earth 2, the JSA, and beyond. 
We'll launch this new series with an ongoing show called Justice Society Presents Crisis, in which Rob and Shag go through each of the classic team-ups between the Justice League and the Justice Society. Then joining the podcast feed will be the Starman Chronicles. Chris and Cindy continue their coverage of James Robinson's epic series from beginning to end. Later in the year, Ryan Daly and Max Romero will tackle the Vertigo title, Sandman Mystery Theater. And two years later, Ryan will cancel it. That's probably. Then in the coming months and years, we'll be adding further ongoing shows and one-off specials celebrating other beloved characters and comics related to the JSA of any era, from the 1940s to today. Join the fight for justice and subscribe to Justice Society Presents on the Fire and Water Podcast Network. All right, welcome back, folks. Let's start off with The Road to Hell, Part 1. Original broadcast date was May 18th, 1991. Directed by David Nutter. Written by Stan Berkowitz, Michael Marr, and Matt Uditz. Guest cast includes Kenneth Robert Shippey as Dr. Winger, Tracy Roberts as Darla, Joel Carlson as the young Superboy, Sherman Howard as Lex Luthor, Carla Capps as Serena Smith, Justina Vale as Dr. Winger's assistant. James Zelly as the man. Aaron Schnett as the, th- the three-year-old Superboy. And Jesse Stone as Eddie. And our synopsis is brought to you by TV.com. A boy sits innocently out in the jungle as a python approaches from behind. The boy turns around and effortlessly tosses the snake through the air. Just a short distance away, the spaceship that transported Kal-El to Earth sits with Superboy's cape draped over the hatch. Little Kal-El comes out of a spaceship and lights a fire with his heat vision. From an interdimensional portal, a version of Dr. Winger and his assistant. Watch the boy. This isn't how it should have turned out. We can't let him grow up like that. It would be such a waste. Looks like it might be too late. Maybe. Maybe it's too late for you and me. But not for him. Meanwhile, in our world, Superboy saves a woman from being electrocuted after a power line falls on her car. She tries to thank him with a kiss when he disappears. He reappears at the Bureau in another dimension and hides in an elevator and change to Clark. When he speaks to some co-workers, they don't recognize him. Okay, give this to Debbie. Uh, what's your name over there in personnel? Mr. Jackson, here's your sandwich. I'm sorry I'm late. What are you talking about? Very funny. Okay, who's the wise guy? Okay, look, this is what happened. One of these clowns called up and ordered something under my name, trying to be funny. Probably tuna fish. They know I hate tuna fish. It's pastrami. You told me to get it yourself like you always do. I didn't ask you to do anything. I don't even know you. Look, here's something for your trouble. I know this wasn't your idea. Mr. Jackson. Sorry, I'm busy, son. Son, I'm Clark. Glad to meet you. But I work here. Sure you do. I do. You know me. (laughs) Tell him. It's a joke, isn't it? You always tell me I'm too serious. You got me. 
Wait till I tell Lana. We'll have to wait, friend. She's out in the field. No way. You don't let Lana do field work. Looks like you don't know so much after all. Lana's been doing field work for the last two years. Now let's go. But this is a joke, isn't it? As soon as I get to the door, everybody's gonna start laughing. Well, you're there now. I don't hear anybody laughing. Matt, maybe he's sick or something. You okay? I don't know. Eddie. Yes? Don't you know me? Am I supposed to? Are you buying something? Or are you just free reading? She wasn't killed. Superboy saved her. Who? Superboy. You know he flies. A boy that flies? Not in this world. Uh-uh, excuse me. Ain't no such thing. Uh-uh, no, 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 no. Ain't no boy that can fly in this world. In what other? Not in this world. When Clark leaves, another version of Lana comes over and asks about him. Clark goes to Schuster and speaks with an alternate version of Dr. Winger. Dr. Winger? Yes? What can I do for you? Something happened to me. I think you might be able to help. What's wrong? I don't belong here. I, I'm from a different dimension. That's impossible. A friend of mine traveled through the dimensions before. There are billions of worlds out there. Similar to this one, but different too. I mean, you know about them. You've been working on the theory. Oh. How do you know that? There are other Dr. Wingers. I've met them. You couldn't have come here. There's no way. Well, haven't you built a portal? A portal? <laughs> you mean this? Where's the real one? There is no real one. It's the best I could do with no money. College is practically broke. Well, what about the academic fund? Superboy helped raise money for it. Super who? As Clark leaves Dr. Winger's lab, Alton and Lana is waiting outside. Lana! I think you have me confused with someone else. You're right. It's another Lana, I'm sorry. Wait. Back at the bureau, you were talking about a boy who could fly? Oh, that was nothing. No one's ever heard of him here. I have. There is rumors about a boy in the jungle who can fly. Is that who you're talking about? I'm not sure. I'll think. Could be really important. If he exists, imagine all the things he could do for the world. All the damage he could cause. I'm really not sure, but maybe we could check it out together. I get along perfectly well on my own. In the jungle, alternate Lex and Darla see little Kal-El flying through the air. In this version of the pair, Darla is the brains between the, the two, and Lex has a speech impediment. Alternate Darla wants the boy for monetary gain. Meanwhile, alternate Lana is about to venture into the jungle to investigate the flying boy, running into Clark upon her arrival. In a second alternate dimension, Dr. Winger is pleased that Clark found alternate Lana. 
As they go into the jungle, alternate Darla yells at Luthor about a special crystal he acquired. You know, we could use a little help over here, Lex. In a minute. No, 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 not in a minute. Now. Careful. Oh, what's the matter? Did I break Lexi Wexy's magic crystal? There's nothing m- magical ab- ab- about it. Yeah, well, there better be something magical about it after what you paid for it. The, the, the natives say that it can stop the w- w- wild boy. Oh, come on, Lex. Why don't you just face it? You got beat out of 200 bucks from a guy who walks around with a dish in his mouth. Now put that stupid thing away and come over and give us a hand. Clark and alternate Lana run into Cat Little Kellogg's spaceship. Clark is worried when he finds Superboy's cape nearby. Across the jungle, alternate Stan, Darla, and Lex trap little Kal-El in a steel cage, but he tears out of it. Alternate Lex is about to kill him with a crystal, but changes his mind when he gets the idea to pretend to be his father instead. I am your father. We've been searching for you for years. We thought we'd lost you. This is your mother. Father. Mother. As they continue walking through the woods, Lana is expecting an explanation about Clark's reaction to the cape and spaceship. When his superhero detects the Lokelel's voice, he leaves Lana and zips past some trees, turning into Superboy. Lana sees the change as he flies away. As Superboy confronts Lex and Darla. Mm. Thank you, son. Thank you. <laughs> this kid's a gold mine. I wouldn't count on it, Luther. There's two of them. And this one knows you. How could that be? You ever met him before? A g- guy who flies? I think I'd remember Stay away from the boy, Luther. Ah. Uh, do we know each other? You don't know me, but I know you. And I know that whatever you're planning, it's not gonna work. No! Please! Seems he doesn't like you messing with dear old dad. You're not his father. Don't listen to him. He's gonna hurt you. Father! No! Don't listen to him. He's bad. No, please, no! See how strong we are? We're the same person. No, 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 no. I don't want you to get hurt. Well, now you're making sense. But you are another story. He's a bad man. Bad. Bad? Mm-hmm. As Superboy moves toward Luthor, he stabs him with the crystal, and they get away. Luthor now seems to be taking charge of the brains between him and Darla, and Superboy lies there helpless and yells for Lana. When she comes to help, he disappears. Superboy travels through the space-time continuum and arrives at the second alternate dimension, where the uh, second alternate, Dr. Winger, and his assistant are waiting. Are you all right? We've been worried about you. Where am I? Who are you? 
Don't you recognize me? I'm Dr. Winger. You've met different versions of me in the other dimensions. See, in this world, we monitor what goes on in all the other worlds. Sometimes we try to straighten things out. That's why we sent you into that other world. We're sorry things turned out so badly. You're sorry. We'll be sending you back to your own world as soon as we recalibrate the portal. There's a younger version of me. And Luther's got him. He's not being very cooperative. He's also not breathing. And that concludes uh, part one of this story. Well, like I said, this is a return to the concept of alternate dimensions, which we saw early on this season in Road's Not Taken. It brings back Dr. Winger. It brings back the concept of the dimensional portal, which was destroyed in the main world at the end of Road's Not Taken. But apparently that episode was enough of a, of a success and uh, well-regarded enough that, and early enough in the season that they decided to... Uh, go to this well again for the season finale. I don't know if they had always planned to revisit the concept, but it's possible that enough time passed between the airing of Roads Not Taken and ready the finale that they could have decided at that time to visit it again. And really the only actor they needed to bring back was Winger, because everyone else is kind of part of the regular rotation of uh, recurring characters. So, this two-part finale shows a young male child in the woods, taught, like like the synopsis said, tossing a snake. Kind of reminded me of that scene in the test of time where Clark uh, flung a rattlesnake. You know, that snake I saw over the summer might still be in my garage. If he wants to come to my house and help out with that problem, you know, he's more than welcome. Meanwhile, there's also a Superboy cave lying in the wreckage of what looks like the ship that he came to Earth in. We're going to find out later that it has. Now, after the uh, commercial breaks, some time has passed, and... Uh, the boy has mastered his heat vision to create fire. He's been here at least a year, maybe two. This is a different version of Superboy, and then the scene kind of transitions into two people watching uh, through a portal, one of which is Dr. Winger, who in this world sports a goatee and is commenting about how they can't let the boy uh, grow up like that. Now, this is an alternate Dr. Winger who has his uh, female assistant. He uh, never had a female assistant before, and he has a very advanced portal that allows him to actually see through to other worlds and actually control things. If you remember from Roads Not Taken, the Dr. Wingers that we saw had very little control over the portal and actually had just finished building it. And they couldn't actually decide where to send somebody. So he comments that while it's too late for either of them to do anything, not too late for him. And then the scene transitions into Superboy flying across the screen. And now uh, here's a woman who crashed into a telephone pole and it fell on her. At least I think it crashed on her. She says she pulled over to uh, fix her makeup and the pole just fell on her, which I guess is possible. It, uh, at least she didn't do it while driving. And Superboy recognizes her. She, her name is Serena Smith. She's an actress, and that's probably where Superboy saw her, even though he court doesn't have time for that. And uh, she tries to give him a monetary reward, and then, of course, in Superboy fashion, he refuses. And then he just kind of disappears. She's going to give him a little kiss on the cheek, uh... In gratitude and a couple of flashes, he's gone and everybody's confused. And 
Superboy is not sure what happened either. We do see the uh, familiar like kind of rainbow-colored passageway of that we saw in Roads Not Taken. So Superboy should really have recognized immediately what was going on here and that he's being uh, sent to another world for some reason. So with that being said, what happens next while used for possibly comedic effect doesn't work because he should really know that he's in a parallel universe. He sees the passageway and kind of looks around confused and it should have dawned on him, oh, wait a minute, I'm in... The last time I saw something like this is when I went to these other worlds. So he should kind of have an idea of what's going on, but he doesn't. And you would think if this uh, Dr. Winger that we saw from the other world wanted Superboy to do something specific, he would bring Superboy to him, kind of brief him on the situation, and then uh, instead of just creating all this confusion and manipulating things from the outside, and what gives uh, that world the right to meddle in the affairs of other worlds? So here is a Doug from the Bureau. Clark knows them, but they give him looks as if they don't know him. And then, you know, Clark is confused by that initially. Then he brings Jackson a sandwich, and Jackson doesn't know who he is either, and says they didn't ask him for a sandwich. Uh, and Jackson just acts like Clark is crazy. You know, he thinks uh, someone brought him tuna fish, which he hates, but nope. It's uh, the normal pastrami that he always brings him. So Clark knows them all, but they don't know him. And another issue, Lana has been a field worker at the Bureau over the last two years. So, did time move the same in this universe in an hours? Have they been at the Bureau for two years? So anyway, Clark is uh, confused as hell, and Matt escorts him out. Now here is Doug again, uh, asking Clark if he's sick again. I'm not sure how Doug got back to the Bureau so fast. He was getting in the elevator when uh, Clark saw him the first time, so I don't know. Maybe Clark was in the office long enough for Doug to come back. So, here's where things start to uh, come into play for Clark here. This is where Clark starts connecting the dots here, as um, Eddie, the uh, blind newsman, doesn't know him either. But then he sees on a newspaper that the actress, uh, Serena Smith, died in the accident. And according to Eddie, there's no Superboy in, in this world. And when Eddie says, not in this world, that's the key, as Clark figures out what's going on. Again, he probably should have figured out this sooner, but no, he's figuring it out here. He knows he's in a parallel universe, and there's no Superboy. And now, after he leaves, we meet this world's Lana, dressed in a white suit, looking older than her years, very confident. She is, I guess, the Bureau's hotshot young agent. And uh, she's going to show interest in, quote-unquote, Superboy. Lana never misses a beat, does she? So, Clark shows up at Dr. Winger's lab, and this is uh, an unsuccessful Dr. Winger who's broke and apparently hasn't built the portal because Superboy wasn't there to raise money for the academic fund, which provides his funding. This Dr. Winger is only a drawing for the portal up on the uh, blackboard. So Clark is uh, quite confused and probably getting annoyed. And apparently Lana has followed Clark to Dr. Winger's lab and he hugs her because, you know, he knows her. But, you know, Clark, now you know you're in a parallel world. You're in a world where no one's heard of Superboy, where no one knows you. What in his right mind made him think that Lana would know him? I mean, she just pushes herself out of that hug really quick. Because she doesn't know this guy. And anyway, she heard that he mentioned the boy who can fly. And that's when Lana mentions the boy in the jungle who can fly. And she wants to find out if a Superboy exists because of all the good things he can do for the world. We really know nothing about this world other than the fact that it has no Superboy. It doesn't seem all that works for wear because there's no Superboy. It just seems like a normal world without Superboy. 
And uh, Clark suggests they check it out together, but Lana, who is quite confident in this world, can get along fine on her own. I wonder if that's the uh, writers of the show kind of wondering about is the you know the Lana of our universe called the Prime Lana, for lack of a better term. Is she the way she is because of what what you could call some of her dependence on Superboy? It's an interesting question that really doesn't get an answer. So uh, first thing I've noticed, one, this kid has uh, quite a head of hair, and the Jungle Boy is watching some Panthers uh, fight each other on what is uh, what looks like a, kind of a rear projection. And this clip, this moment oh, of the boy watching the Panthers, that's going to come into play in part two. It's a little moment that almost seems like a throwaway moment, but it plays heavily into the climax. So that was that's a good setup for part two. And it's the kind of thing where, honestly, if you don't watch them back to back, you probably don't remember. I mean, when I covered the, you know, for this episode, I watched them both last night back to back. And it's easy to uh, make the connection from this little shot of the Panthers to what he sees later. So now here are this world, Lex and Darler, who are in an expedition. And have discovered the child. And apparently in this world, Darla is the brains and Lex is the stuttering henchman. It's nice to see the reversal where Darla is in charge and Lex is the stooge. But And Lex, uh, I don't know where the speech impediment comes from. It's a lack of confidence, perhaps. But he also stutters quite horribly. And although, again, in this world, unlike the others, it makes no sense for Lex to have Warren Eckworth's face. But... They're not bringing Scott Wells back just for this, and we're going to have Sherman Howard, so that's just something we're going to have to live with. I guess we can make up some thing in our mind if we want for why Lex Luthor has Warren Eckworth's face, but that is what it is. So, they're in the jungle. It looks like the rainforest. I can't tell if uh, the signs at the, at the airport when Clark and Lana arrive are in Spanish or Portuguese. Doesn't matter much, though. Clark apparently hired the only taxi in town, so that forces Lana to have to work with him. And we get another shot of Dr. Winger in the alternate world. Uh, kind of like the mad scientist here. Just happy that his plans are coming to fruition. And his assistant looks like she wants to say something, but she doesn't. I don't think she is 110% on board with Dr. Winger's plan here. So now Lex is making a crystal blade that the natives say can stop the boy. But he's not helping Darla, and she's pissed. And I like how this Lex uh, stutters. I like how they have Sherman Howard do little things to make all of the versions of Lex different. So Clark, now I really don't know what Clark knows. I mean, does he, he doesn't know where he's from. That's, that's for certain. But seeing the cape leaves him wondering. So not knowing where he's from, is it possible that he's never seen his ship? I guess that's something I'll have to think about when we get to uh, Rite of Passage in under three months. So Lana finds a broken crystal. And that's obviously where Lex's knife came from. We saw a scene ago, Lex putting a handle on the broken crystal. And now we see it missing. So Lex and Darla left the trail of stuff like watches and chains and stuff for the boy to find. And that's how he's trapped. And I love Darla's little celebration. I'm like, just a little touchdown dance about how rich she's going to be uh, when they trap the boy. But, you know, he pulls the cage apart pretty easily. The Synopsis says it's a steel cage, but I thought it was more of a, like a bamboo. But either way, it doesn't hold him for very long, and uh, she's not as uh, much of a genius as she thinks she is. But then again, how could she assume this kid was super strong? So there's really no way for her to predict that. So here is Lex, and with that angry look, he shows shades of the Lex we know, but 
he's going to try a new approach. He's going to play nice with the kid and be fatherly. And he tells the boy that he and Darla are his parents. Apparently, uh, Lex knows sign language, and this is the only time so far that this version of Lex hasn't stuttered. And the boy who can't speak, who's probably hearing English for the first time, is very naive. He So he falls for this. I mean, he has no reason to not believe this, believe this I guess. So it's very easy for him to kind of get trapped by this. And uh, somehow uh, Lana knew that what they saw was a rocket. I don't know how. But she did notice that Clark was uh, bothered after having seen the cape. Although I'm not sure she knew 100% that it was a cape. But Clark hears the kids saying mother and father. And now he wants to kind of take off and become Superboy. So he changes to Superboy. And Lana sees him change and fly off. So there you go. The first time Clark is caught by Lana, it's by an alternate Lana in which really the reveal of his identity has no consequence. So this Lana knows, so what? It's not like after this adventure he's ever going to see her again or vice versa. Anyway, obviously Darla can only think of the money, but Superboy shows up and understandably thinks Luthor is in charge because that's just the dynamic that he's used to. And uh, they're confused as to how he knows them. And Superboy... uh, Says he knows Lex, but not the other way around. So the kid defends his quote unquote parents, and Superboy tries to convince him otherwise that they're bad. You know, there's a lot of, you know, talking to the kid on his level good people, bad people. But Superboy tells the kid that they're the same person. And that gives Lex an idea. Because while this Lex doesn't seem as confident as the Lex we know, he does seem to have the same level of intelligence. And since the crystal knife can stop the wild boy, maybe all of a sudden Lex has some confidence. Maybe the knife can work on Superboy as well. And Lex stabs him. And all of a sudden he has some confidence. The stutter is gone. But since he's trying to gain the kid's trust, Lex doesn't go back and finish off Superboy. And now that he's done this, Lex is starting to stand up to Darla and take charge. And now their dynamic is starting to shift. So the injured Superboy is lying on the ground and disappears to the Dr. Winger who sent them there. And this Dr. Winger, as we saw, monitors the other world and tries to help when he can. But you know what? I still think he should have asked Superboy first before just kind of sending him off into an alternate world. Just my opinion. Also, his assistant comments that he's not being very cooperative. Uh, Sorry, miss. Uh, Superboy's too busy dying on the floor, if that's okay with you. And then... That's when Winger realizes he's not breathing. So that was a good start. You know, this is not as good as Road's Not Taken, but it has its moments. Like Road's Not Taken, it shows us two alternate worlds. And it lays out some questions about why the boy is so much younger and everyone else is the same age. You know, you normally look at what we consider to be the multiverse, you know, and we'll just stick with like a, a live action TV multiverse for for now, where if, if you think of things like the Superman series, all the stuff that I've covered, basically. The Superman serials with Kirk Allen, George Reeves show, the Reeve movies, this. The supporting cast are always his contemporaries. Even though in the alternate world, Superboy is so much younger, the supporting cast are all adults. So everything on this world is the same as the world we know, except Superboy is much younger. So that's one of the difference from what we normally see in the multiverse. Normally they kind of, the same four five characters have this kind of, was called an episode of Battle on Five, a cosmic sewing circle, but not here. So that's an interesting concept, and one that we haven't seen before or since. 
But you know what? When you have Else Worlds and Alternate Worlds and a multiverse, you can do pretty much whatever you want. So at this point, I'm going to take a quick break, play a podcast promo. When I come back, I'm going to finish things off with Road to Hell Part 2. Hang around, folks. Drama. Lust. Snark. Comedy. Heartbreak. Creativity. Poetry. Illicit affairs. Rage. Revenge. Testosterone poisoning. Gunshots. Sculpture. Feminine hygiene products. Naked car crashes. You know what we haven't had in a long time? And liver. Terry Moore, Strangers in Paradise, the audio adaptation, coming to your ear holes in late 2020 on the Two True Freaks Podcast Network. Liver is my life. All right, welcome back, folks. We're going to finish this episode off with Road to Hell, Part 2. Original broadcast date was May 25th, 1991. Episode was written and directed by the same team as Part 1, directed by David Nutter, written by Stan Berkowitz, Michael Moore, and Matt Ulitz. Guest cast is most of the same. Kenneth Robert Shippey as Dr. Winger. Tracy Roberts as Darla. Joel Carlson as the young Superboy. Sherman Howard as Lex Luthor. Ron Ellie, most famous for his role as Tarzan as Superman. Justina Vale as Dr. Winger's assistant. Manuel DePina as the second Doctor. Doug Dobbs as the short cop, and Kent Lindsay as the reporter. And our synopsis is brought to you by TV.com. In this second alternate world, Lex Luthor is a doctor who is trying to save Superboy's life. Since he's not familiar with this type of wound, he goes to find someone that might know. In the first alternate world, Luthor and Darla take little Kal-El to their lair and brainwash him into thinking that Banks stole their money. Well, here it is. So, how do you like it? No, 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 no. We have to stay here. This is our home, sweetie. Home. Can you say that? Darla, he's not a moron. A month from now, he'll be speaking better than you do, which isn't saying much. You see, we have to live here. This is the best place that we can afford. Could say that again. Shut up. You see, son, really nice homes cost lots of money. And the bad people took all of ours. What bad? Shh. The bad people took all of our money and they hid it in places called banks. Banks? Banks. And they keep it there in these Great big vaults. So, we have to live like this. Thanks. Back in the second alternate world, Dr. Luthor goes to see an older, retired version of Superboy, Superman. You're reading a bit slowly, aren't you? It's poetry, Lex. Sounds better in my mind when I go slow. Huh. I was afraid it was going to be crime and punishment. 
remember when I made you read that? How could I forget? I was only 12 years old. It was the worst torture you could have thought of. I wasn't punishing you, Lex. I was trying to help. You showed great promise. I didn't want you to go in the wrong direction. You mean embark on a life of crime? It's a bit far-fetched, don't you think? We'll never know now, will we? Thanks to you. I owe you so much, and yet it seems all I ever do is ask for more. I need your help. I can't, Lex. You know that. No, no, it's got to be you. Lex, when you reach a certain age, you have to step aside, let the younger people take over. It's their world now. They'll never learn to run it if I keep interfering. I wouldn't have come here if you weren't the only one in the world who can save this patient. The only one, Lex? How can that be? The patient is you. My car's right outside. Your car? I'm not that old. They both go to Superboy's bedside, and Superman observes the wound from the Kryptonian crystal. He donates some of his blood to be transferred to Superboy. After his surgery, Superboy wakes up to Luthor taking his vitals, and Superman has to slap Superboy to stop him from choking Dr. Luthor, as he thinks Luthor is trying to kill him. Meanwhile, little Kal-El in the first alternate world is robbing a bank, while Lana and the staff at the Bureau see a report about the incident. Lana knows Superboy can stop him, only she doesn't know where he is. As Superboy recovers, Superman shows them his life's work in building a new and advanced capital city. I can't believe this is capital city. Well, it just shows what can happen when people work together. I became Superboy right after the war. You'd have thought with all that fighting and killing, they'd have had enough of it, but it didn't look that way. Then you stepped in? Mm. Yeah, I did what I could. And then the people pitched in. Here you are, good as new. If you're me, why are you so much older? For the same reason that boy you found in the other world is younger. A time warp. A time warp? You know, those rockets that brought us here, well, it seems they went through a time warp on their way here. I landed during the Depression. That boy landed a few years ago. You and some others landed when you did. Do you know where the rockets came from? I do. Then tell me. It's not your time yet. When will it be my time? You'll know. And from that time on, you won't be called Superboy anymore. Enjoying their new digs, Luthor tells Darla that he plans to kill Kal-El since he may mature and turn on them. He just looks so happy. Mmm. Shame we'll have to kill him. <laughs> That's your serious for a second. You realize he could tear us apart with one hand. What happens when he turns on us? Lexi wouldn't do that. He loves us. I turned on my parents. Of course, I didn't love them, but. Well, what about the money? Darla, I'll be a hero. The man who saved Capital City. We'll be broke. Why do you always think so small? Publicity is power. 
my power, under my control. I can't control him forever. Your power? No. No, that's not it. You're jealous. Of what? He's going to be the biggest thing in the world. He may even be running the country someday. And what are you ever going to amount to? Anything I want to. As long as he's not around to stop me. As they talk, Superman shows Superboy the utopia he helped create. Is this going to be my future? Can be. I don't know if I can do all this. Well, of course you can. I did it. We're the same person. But all the sacrifices you must have made. Are you happy? Happy? Look around. This is a utopia. All those ideals of yours. Ours. Everyone believes them now. No war, pollution, crime. We're wiping out diseases left and right. Every single person on this planet has food and shelter. We've even gone into other worlds to help them out. So why shouldn't someone who's helped accomplish all that be happy? I can tell you're bored. Oh, I forgot for a minute who I was talking to. Can't lie to myself, can I? You don't have any challenges left. We need them. But that's what retirement's all about, letting go of challenges. How can you stand it? Oh, it's part of life. And it wouldn't be so bad except for one thing. What's that? Being alone. You see, I never had time to have a family. I was always too busy out helping other people with their problems. Now there's no one for me. Nobody? No one. Don't you let that happen to you when you go back to your own world. Well, I don't know if I'm going back. At least not right away. I've got to... You don't have to take care of anything. Lex Luthor's got the boy. That's not your concern. Go back to your own world. The boy needs my help. I can't let you do it. They both go to Dr. Winger's lab, where Superboy makes one last plea to save Kal-El as he gets into the portal. You know he's one of us. He could have been you or me. We have to give him a chance. Superman concedes and sends Superboy to the first alternate dimension, where he lands in the middle of an art gallery robbery in progress. He changes to Clark. Kal-El is inside and attempts by the SWAT team to, st to stop him are useless. Outside, a crowd watches and Clark tries to sneak away to change back into Superboy, but is stopped by Lana. She pulls him away from the scene. Inside the gallery, Kal-El gathers all the art he's going to take, but stops to look at a piece depicting jungle animals lying peacefully together. Luthor arrives outside and demands to be let in. Just around the corner, Lana tells Clark that she knows his identity. I know who you are. I saw you change. I've got to go. I guess you have a lot of work to do. A lot of it. I always wonder what this would be like. Wait, the S! 
inside the gallery, Luthor is about to kill Kal-El with a Kryptonian crystal, and Superboy shows up and tries to stop him, but gets his hands cut. Luthor tries to turn things around and put on his victim act to get Kal-El to go after Superboy again, but this time Kal-El attacks him, throwing him into a standing night suit. Kal-El is about to kill first on alternate Luthor with a knight sword, but Superboy stops him. After Luthor is taken away, Superman appears and decides to guide and mentor Kal-El. You go now too? Yeah, I have to. No. Wait here. Somehow I'm not surprised. I needed the challenge. So were you someday. Well, here's your next one. He needs someone to show him the right roads to take. That's why I came. And to bring you this? Take it. Go back to your own world. You have a lot of work ahead of you. So do you. I have so many questions to ask you. I have questions, too. That's why I have to go back to where I came from. But I want to know who you are, where you came from. It's better this way. So this picks up right where we left off. Uh, Superboy was, uh, when we last saw him, was dying on Dr. Winger's floor. And now he's in surgery. And a voice that sounds an awful lot like Lex Luthor. And then we discover it's Lex Luthor when he pulls down his surgical mask. Uh, needs to find someone who is the only chance they have. So that sounds right off the bat very ominous. Meanwhile, I'll... The, in the other world, Lex and Darla are in an abandoned warehouse. The young kid is not impressed. And here, Lex is more in charge. The stutter is still there a little bit. But this new confident version of Lex is showing the uh, manipulator abilities that we're used to seeing with the Lex in uh, Superboy's world. And as Darla isn't catching on to his plan quite as quickly as he'd like, he shushes her there. Stabbing Superboy has seemed to switch their dynamic to the point where... Lex seems to have become the alpha, and he tells the kid that the bad people put money in the banks and forced them to uh, live in this abandoned warehouse, and then the kid says, kind of, banks, like he's some kind of 50s mobster. So back in the uh, other world, uh, Lex comes to what looks like the Bureau, or at the very least, it's, it, that's the set, and uh, finds an old man reading, and it's uh, Rod Alley, like I said before, probably best known for playing Tarzan, and he's playing the role of an elder Superman. And it would have been cool if they could have gotten uh, Kirk Allen to do this, but he was 80 at the time and hadn't acted in, in quite a few years at this point. And Ellie is almost uh, 30 years younger, but looks older because of the white hair that he's sporting. And I do believe that is what Ron Ellie looked like at that time. 
So that's not necessarily a wig that makes him look like Marlon Brando. It could be, but I don't think it is. So, and he does have the uh, the S curl. So if you're paying attention at first, you should know that this is an old retired Superman, even before uh, Lex drops the bombshell that the patient is him. So apparently this Lex and the older Superman have some kind of relationship, and he played uh, some role into getting Lex on the uh, path that he's on. Apparently a better one than he was before. So this Superman has retired and uh, has stepped aside to let the younger people run the world. I'm not sure if it's explicitly stated that he was Superman. Until, of course, you hear the flying sound effect. And like I said, he's got the spit curl as well. So he examines his younger counterpart and finds traces of the uh, Kryptonian crystal in the stab wound on his side. So he needs a blood transfusion and Superman pierces his skin with his heat vision to give the blood. And then Superboy wakes up to find Luthor checking his vitals and then goes nuts because, you know, the last thing he really remembers seeing was Luthor stabbing him. And now he's waking up and here's Luthor again. <laughs> and just Superboy just grabs his neck and is it's probably going to kill him right here. And Superman tries to uh, talk Superboy down, but ends up having to uh, solve this problem with uh, a backhand to the jaw. And this confuses the hell out of Superboy because his jaw hurts. Like, you hit me, and it hurt. I have to do that. But the mystery will have to wait. Well, at least it's a mystery to him, not to us. So, back in the other world, here's uh, the kid opening a vault. Obviously, these guards can't stop him, but, you know, there is this one uh, guard that kind of came up very quickly without shooting. They didn't realize he's shooting a kid. You would think there'd be... I mean, I don't know how old this kid is. The actor, Joel Carlson, was about 10 at the time, so... Still, he's firing on a kid. So now, uh, we have Lana kind of in the same suit that she was wearing in the previous part. She's watching the report of the boys' bank robbery. And then, back in the other world, we're getting some exposition from uh, old Superman showing the future world. He had a profound impact on the world, and got all humanity to work together to create a better world. And he tells him that he became Superboy after World War II. And he's older because the ships passed through a time warp on their journey to Earth. That is as good an explanation as any, and it explains why all the Earthbound characters are the same age as their counterparts on the Prime world, and why the age of the Kryptonian character seems to vary from world to world. In the first Roads Not Taken, they were all, it was Superboy running into versions of himself at the same age. This time, we're seeing younger and older versions of him. So Superman does indeed know where the rocket came from and where he's from, but he won't tell Superboy as it isn't his time to know the truth about his origin. And when he learns his origin, his place of origin, he won't be called Superboy after gaining that knowledge. So I'm, I don't think this show was allowed to use uh, Superman, but that's why he can never be directly referenced. But I don't have that problem on this show. And Ellie delivers uh, the exposition well here. You know, I remember this two-parter very well from watching it as a kid. It was on that videotape that I made. And like I said, even though this is not as good as Rose Not Taken, I do enjoy it. So Lex and Darla are celebrating their success, and Lex realizes they're going to have to kill the boy at some point. And part of his plot is to kill this out-of-control kid and uh, become a hero because of it. And and then this is kind of where things starting to kind of fall apart for Lex and Lot. Lex and Darla, because she's trying to retake the power that she had when we first met them, but Lex is maintaining control. He realizes that he can't control the boy forever, and now you're starting to see Lex Luthor and the Kryptonian at opposite ends of the spectrum. With the exception of 
the other world, the world with the older Superman, who is showing Superboy around town. Apparently, in that world, he was a mentor to Lex Luthor, which is an interesting dynamic. We are now at the Museum of Nuclear Weapons. I guess there are no more on uh, Superman's world. Superboy shows some doubt that he can do the things, but I guess it's just a matter of how daunting the creation of that utopia is. But Superman convinces them he can do it, basically because they're the same person, and Superboy asks about the sacrifices that he made and whether Superman is happy, which no one has ever asked him, and I'm guessing that because he seems surprised by the question. I mean, he allows his own accomplishments. They've made such a perfect world that now they help out in other dimensions, but is he happy? Superboy sees through the guys and points out that Superman is bored. Although I do like the comment of leaving it to other people, oh, that's what retirement's all about. But, you know, what does Superman do in a wor- when the world no longer needs him? It's an, and how does he handle that? It's an interesting question, and I guess the answer here is not well. I mean, it sounds like he's content with retirement, he's done his bit, and now he's settled down, but he's lonely. His was a solitary life, and he never had a family, and that's his one regret, and he tells Superboy not to let that happen to him. You know, up until, really, the 90s comics, it was, that was kind of Superman's lot in life, was to be lonely, but... Uh, he could never let anyone close because it would interfere with his role as Superman, but the reins of that have been loosened uh, somewhat since uh, the comics kind of moved him forward and uh, Clark Kent was able to marry Lois Lane. So Superboy, still young, feels the need to go back to save the boy from Luthor, and it almost sounds like Superman is ordering him home and won't allow him, and that's the plan that Dr. Winger is on board with. <laughs> like I mentioned before, this Dr. Winger has control of the portal where the others didn't. The original portal that we saw in Road Not Taken just took you where they took you. This Dr. Winger can send you wherever he wants. So Superboy makes one last plea, saying the boy deserves a chance. And at the last moment it registers, and the camera lingers on Superman to at the last minute kind of waves his hand and changes where the portal sends Superboy. And then Superman asks Winger, so what can you do to me? I never quite knew how to take that line. It almost sounds like he's threatening Dr. Winger here. So, Superboy is on his way back to the first world he visited, exiting a second-story building and falls on his head. Jeez, they gotta work on those landings. Superboy has fallen on his face in just about almost every time he's been sent through a portal, except for in in part one. Now, you can tell his side is still a little sore as he's holding it, and he arrives at uh, the art gallery here. It's probably an art museum. And a cop ushers him behind the police line. And the news reports say the boy is in the museum and there are gunshots. You know, the the boy has a very young, look, does look like a young Superman. He ain't got the luck. Now, this kid is acting like a little badass here. So here's Lana now revealing to Clark that she knows who he is. And uh, as the boy assembles the artwork. Now, one painting gets the boy's attention. It's two, one of two Panthers laying together. And that's why the shot in the first part is so important. The uh, little shot of him watching the Panthers rustle. This reminds him of the jungle, which is really home for him. This city that he's in is nothing like where he's from. So here's Lex offering to help the cops. Here he's stuttering, but but this is part of his plan to kill the boy and be and be the hero. And then when the cop uh, doesn't help him, he kind of threatens the cop. Get me your commanding officer. No stutter there though. So, like we mentioned before, Alana knows who he is because she saw him change. And Clark always kind of wonder what. It, what making the switch in front of Lana would be like. Now he knows. And he spins into the suit in front of her, and she recognizes the symbol on his chest from being the uh, the one found in the jungle. 
And even when uh, he says he has to go, and when she first reveals that she knows who he is, what, change it into the red and blue suit with the S on it? <laughs> you know, she has no basis of comparison for Superboy. So that's kind of the only uh, way she can describe it. So meanwhile, inside the museum, the boy is getting teary-eyed at the image of the Panthers. You know, there's no place like home, and the jungle was home for him. I mean, if he's 10 years old now, landed at three, he's probably in that jungle for like seven years. So here is Alex with the knife. He baits the kid with the watch and then goes to stab the boy before Superboy intercepts him. Now this time, Superboy is only, not even stabbed, really. He scrapes his hand on the crystal, but he's still weak. And now, in a turn, because Superboy saved him, the boy protects Superboy. Because now he knows Lex's true colors. He now knows Lex is going to kill him. So it doesn't take much uh, for the kid's loyalty to change. And Lex tells the boy that Superboy is one of the bad people. And, you know, at this point, the boy is not buying it. He looks Superboy just kind of says, bad? And then the next thing you know, um, Lex gets flung into a suit of armor. And now the boy is going to end things the only way he knows how. He is going to follow Lex's example and kill him. So now Superboy has to save him. And he tells the kid no with authority. Like, no, you do not kill. But it's, uh, the synopsis says Superboy stops him. But all Superboy does is say no. And I guess that gives the boy enough time to think. Or maybe just killing is not in his nature. And Lex doesn't understand why he didn't. And Superboy is kind of points out that Lex would never be able to understand why he didn't kill him. So now we're wrapping things up. The boy is disappointed that Superboy has to go home, which kind of leaves you wondering, at least for a minute. What would happen to him? And uh, that's when Superman shows up. For two reasons. One, he has to uh, bring Superboy this remote to get him back to his own world. But I wonder if that's kind of the only reason he came through. Maybe he also... Maybe it was his plan all along to take the boy in as his own. And he's going to raise the boy because he needs the challenge. And at the same time, that's going to satisfy Superman's need for family. And I'm also guessing he's going to stay and raise the kid on this world. We've seen the utopia that he's from. It doesn't necessarily need him. So maybe this world needs the older Superman more than his own does. So he won't be bored anymore. So before he leaves, uh, Lana has a ton of questions and he doesn't answer any of them. And then just goes home. He hit the button on that remote, disappears, and Superman walks off with the boy and uh, teaches him how to eat a lollipop. This was a decent ending to season three. I liked the idea of Superboy getting a glimpse into his possible future. And the story really ended the only way it could with the old, the elder Superman taking the boy in. Very interesting, I guess, being raised by an alternate version of yourself, but it is what it is. It built upon what we learned in Roads Not Taken, but this two-parter doesn't really hold a candle to that one. So next time, we're going to start season four. And our villain is going to mess with people's minds in A Change of Heart, parts one and two. Until then, feedback's always welcome. Manascreen at gmail.com. If you want to join the conversation over the Facebook group, just put Manascreen Podcast in your search feed and the show should come up. You can find the show on Twitter at Manascreencast. And if you don't mind, uh, why don't you leave me a review on Apple Podcasts? You know, I'll both find the show. So, until next time, folks, we're all on the same team. Good night. The Man of Screen Podcast is produced by Mike Zumo 
and all opinions expressed on the show are those of Mike Zemo and his guests and no one else. All music and sound clips used on the show are for review purposes only and no copyright infringement is intended. All music and sound clips are copyright their original copyright owners. The Man of Screen is a member of the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network and can be found at www.twotruefreaks.com. Emails of this show can be sent to manofscreen at gmail.com. And you can also leave the show a review on iTunes. That will help others find the show. Thank you for listening to the Man of Screen Podcast.